Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Thank you.
a manual that we can consult? If you get a new automobile, do you get a manual? Of course, if it's an electric vehicle, it's likely to be in Chinese, so good luck. But, uh, but God has given us a manual, and it's in every language known to mankind. And that is the blessed Word of God. And so today, from Scripture, we're going to find God's plan for the family. We're not going to get it from Dr. Phil. We're certainly not going to get it from those fruitcakes on the view. And we're not even going to get it from the church's friend, Donald Trump. That may break your heart this morning, but friend, we are going to hear the mind of God on the matter of the right way to raise a family. Now, a good family has come in all shapes and sizes, but in Psalm 128, God indicates there are four characteristics of every great man. And so with God's help, we're going to ask you to share with us those. And I believe it will be a blessing to your lives. Let's bow our heads for prayer, if you would, please. Father, this morning we thank you for the blessed privilege of being here together in America, free to worship you. Thank you for this wonderful passage, Lord, and the privilege of Speaking on a subject that's so dear to my heart. It's such a precious passage. Thank you for these people who come, taking time to get here, and those who join online. Lord, would you just bless us all as we surround your word in Jesus' name? Amen. Psalm 128 is where we're at this morning. And both Psalm 128 and Psalm 127 known as family psalms. The word psalms, as you know, is simply the word for song. You notice at the beginning of each of those, there's a little superscription, and it tells us that they are songs of degrees, or an ascent. The city of Jerusalem is situated on a very high hill. Jewish families from all over the area would travel to Jerusalem for several annual religious feasts. As they would begin their ascent, or each degree of elevation, to the city, it is thought that they would actually sing these songs as a family. Think of that. Walking up the hill together, singing scriptural songs. You'll notice that same superscription in Psalm 127 says that it is a song of degrees, for Solomon. It is thought that both Psalm 127 and 128 are for Solomon. Many scholars believe that actually it is a song of Solomon and that he was the human author. Regardless, we know that those superscriptures aren't especially inspired writ, but are given to us years ago by a holy man of God who thought to give us some understanding. In both of these, the concept is building a house, raising up a family, to do something to help the nation. And so David, or Solomon, directs us to look to God, for he and he alone is the one who can give true wisdom. And so I'd like each of you to join me together, and even at home, read it out loud if you would, God's holy word. So let's go to Psalm 128. Psalm 
not just a afterthought or if we have time, we'll do this. No, it is a we serve God. This is moms and dads. Characteristics, faithful, constant, reliable. Turn to me, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Let me share with you a story, a biblical story of a man who did just that. He was a man of God in the home. He was a representation of God. His name is Hezekiah. He's one of the few kings of Judah. None of the kings of Israel, but he was one of the few kings of Judah who actually walked with God. He, along with his amazing mentor, Isaiah, boldly cleaned the house of his nation. And he did so at the young age of 25. Can you imagine that? Godly, on fire, 25-year-old politician just turning things around for a man of God. He destroyed pagan altars, idols, and the, even the brazen serpent that Moses had made there in the wilderness. Those crazy people made it into an idol. And he said, I don't care who made it, we're destroying this because it's destroying our nation. And then he went and opened the temple doors in Jerusalem. It had been shut by his own father, a king, a government official. Can you imagine a government official shutting the doors of a church? Crazy, isn't it? But it happens. Oh, it happened two years ago, didn't it? But Hezekiah said, uh uh, nobody shuts the doors of the temple. And he went in there and pried those doors open. It says he reestablished the priesthood and they walked with God. Now, I'm going to read just a few verses and I'm going to ask you as you go along in your mind, see if this has any connection to America. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 6. Our fathers had trespassed. They not faithful. They have done which is evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. My friend, what is going on in America today, especially some things like abortion. My friend, it's not just a bad idea. It is plain evil. I mean just evil in the eyes of the Lord. And have forsaken Him. And have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord. And turned their backs on God. Turned their back on God. Today, we can't have God in the schools. We can't have prayer. We can sure have a drag queen. Verse 7, Also they shall shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. They just shut down worship to God. There they describe some of the things that God asked for of the Jews in the Old Testament. Not for us. The principle still applies. Verse 8, Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem. And he hath delivered them to trouble. People wonder why America is in trouble today. To astonishment, to hissing, and ye see with your eyes. Now it gets even worse than that. Lo, our fathers have fallen by the source. Our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Unfaithful parents result in the families being taken captive by the wickedness of the world. And we have a society that is captive, laden by sin. Verse 
set his face, the Bible says, like a flint towards Calvary. He could have come down from that cross and sidestepped all the suffering, but he didn't. He stayed. He could have summoned tens of thousands of angels to help him, but he did not. He stayed at it. He stayed all the way to the end. He was faithful until he could say, it is finished or complete. And that isn't that what we want as a family, as a parent, is to be able to stay at it until we can say, it is finished. Maybe someday when we come to that point, we lay our head down on the pillow for the last time, we can say, well, to God be the glory, it is finished. God is faithful. He expects His people to be faithful. He talks about being faithful in the least and being faithful as much. God expects faithful family. In fact, the Bible says at the end day, we will stand before the Lord and He'll be able to say, Well done, thou good and what? Smart servant? No, He said, Faithful servant. And everybody can sing or do preach or whatever, but I tell you what, we can all be faithful. A faithful family, a consistent, faithful walk. And so God's plan is be consistent, fear the Lord. These commands have a consistent, constant walk as a family. Number one. Number two, be a fruitful family, a fruitful work. Healthy families are known by a faithful walk. They're also known by a fruitful work. Look at verse two. Thou shalt eat the labor of your hands. So they're out there laboring and getting fruit from their labors. Happy thou shalt be, and it shall be well done. Now, these verses are both very practical and also they're very symbolic. Thank God it gives us something to do with our hands. Every day we wake up, there's something to do with our hands. Thank the Lord. Male, female, we all have something to do with our hands. It's a blessing. He gives us the help to do that. He gives us the strength to work. He gives us the capacity of mind. So that we don't have to be dependent on others. That's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, with quietness, work and eat your own bread. In other words, just be a fruitful, hardworking, and that makes for a strong society. And let me just say here, I am very proud of the hardworking moms and dads here at the home church. They are the best workers of, at any employer. I, we hear constantly people say, well, I tell you what, it is amazing, these people and their work. Now, many families, especially larger families, choose for the mom to be a home manager, a domestic CEO. Now, how much does a home mom, a stay-at-home mom, actually make? Well, insure.com. Figures the wage of a mom she earned in 2022. She has about 18 different jobs that she could be paid for. And uh, if she does that throughout the year, her wage should be $126,725. Now that's a serious cash right there. Now I will tell you that the real provision that a mom or dad provides is even greater than that. goes beyond clothing. Beyond housing and education and recreation. God has given us a fruitful work to do. And I believe that fruitful work that God's primarily referring to is 
building a strong life, strong relationships, and serving God. Look what it says in verse 3. Thy wife shall be like a fruitful vine by the sides of your house, and children like olive plants round about thy table. Here we see different roles suggested. There, the man is primarily out of the field, working with his hands. Then a wife is primarily gracing the home with strength and beauty, working there like a beautiful mind. Now these differences, friends, are God-given. One is not better or worse than the other. The devil is doing everything he can today to blur the distinction of God-given roles. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, In the beginning, God made them male and female. The left is in an all-out assault on traditional sexuals and has repeatedly asserted the following. Males and females, and this is an actual quote, are identical. Males and females, this is a left-speaking quote, Males and females are identical except for one thing, their ability to bear children. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing could be further from the truth. Careful research, as long as well as biblical research, can tell you that it's absolutely wrong. It is not purely a cultural issue. Dr. Richard Restek, in his book, The Brain, The Last Frontier, he says, quote, males and females differ anatomically, sexually, emotionally, psychologically, and biochemically. We differ in literally every cell of our body. Each of the sex carries a unique chromosomal pattern. We hear much today about gender reassignment. Friend, there is nothing that can be done to change the assignment of our sex made by God at the beginning. That will always be in God's plan, either male or female. Gloria Steinem, leading feminist of yesteryear, is still has a voice, it seems. She said this, and I quote, The only functional difference between men and women is the women's ability to give birth. Therefore, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. <laughs> I think she needs a bicycle or a fish or something. I'm not sure. But Dr. Gary Smaller, Smalley, great Christian author and psychologist, commented about the difference between men and women. He said men are like buffaloes. They're strong and out there, you know. Women are like butterflies, interesting. So, sister, you married a buffalo. And thank God for it. That's the way God made him. Now, hopefully, he doesn't smell like a buffalo. And hopefully, he's not rude and crude. He can be a man and also be tender. I'll tell you for sure, our Lord was not some effeminate, transgender sissy who stopped, stepped out of a beauty parlor. Our Lord Jesus was a hard worker. He was a man of God, and he worked in that carpenter's shop. He, and yet at the same time, he was gentle. Children would come and sit in his lap. The Bible says he's a man of sorrows and a man of tears. And then it says the wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of the house. 
Times needs support. She gets her support there in the home. Vines need to be cherished and cared for. They're very valuable. They stay close to the house. They're supported by the strong timbers of the home. Not underfoot to be trampled on. Not on the house top to dominate. A fruitful vine. Sweet. Bringing forth sweet grapes, not sour grapes. Think how often in Scripture it is the women who were the ones who supported, like a beautiful life, they were the ones who supported others in ministry. Who prompted Jesus to perform his first miracle? The woman at Canaan. Who ministered to Christ during his public ministry? It was the women. Who was the the body of Jesus? It was a woman. Who was it that stayed with Jesus throughout his trial and crucifixion? The women. Who were the first witnesses to the resurrected Christ? It was the women. Thank God for women who are like beautiful vines who stand beside us and they provide such wonderful support and fruit. A man brings fruit into the home. A woman brings fruit into the home. A faithful walk, a fruitful work. And then thirdly, the third part of a good, godly family is family worship. A family worship. It is said a family that prays together stays together. Look at verse 3. All thy children are like olive plants. Psalm 128 verse 3. All thy children are like olive plants round about thy table. Children coming up around the olive tree. Wild. Full of vim and vigor. Strong, coming up from the roots of the same parents. They have the same backing. Straight and green, sucking up the rich sap of the parents, growing stronger and stronger. But notice what it says they are around about your table. And I can tell you that's always what I wanted. I always wanted enough children that they would go around the table. Now, I've always seen children as blessings rather than burdens. To be sure, sometimes they're a blessed burden, but thank God they are blessings. The man of God, Job, certainly was blessed that he had children round about him. Job 29, verse 5, When the Almighty was yet with me, my children were about me. He had enough children that they were surrounding him. Sadly, today, many American families rarely have time around the table anymore. Rarely do they actually sit around the table together. They are around their friends, or they're around the soccer field, or the softball field, or they're around their screens, but they seem to never have time to be around the family table. The first thing I would recommend, if that's the case, is chuck your TV trays and get you a nice kitchen table. Get a nice dining table. I mean, get a good table. Good, solid table. A lot of wonderful, godly things can happen around the table. Education, family worship time. By the way, we have people that will help you get a table if you need a table. Reformer Martin Luther is well known for his preaching, his books. But one of the things he's most well known 
written down by those who would come. And he said, nearly every day after dinner, is your wife would have dinner there, and whoever really would come. It would be people from the neighborhood, the extended family. But he would simply just chat about the things of God. They were known as table talks. Here I think we see the importance of family Bible time. Look at verses 4 and 5. Behold, that thus shall a man be blessed that fears the Lord. Children around his table, and he's fearing the Lord. And the Bible says, God shall bless thee out of Zion. And we'll explain that in just a moment. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. What's God talking about here? He's saying, your family is centered there, and it's centered around Zion. What is Zion? Well, all you have to do is kind of go back through the Bible and find out where is the Ark of the Covenant? Where did God-fearing group of Israelites go quite often? Well, all the answer to both of those is Jerusalem. Zion. Zion is a word that's found 150 times and more in the Bible. And actually, technically means fortification or fort. But God says that Jerusalem is Zion. It's a fort. It's a fortification. It is a strength-giving, wonderful place. He also calls heaven Zion. We sing the song, we're marching to Zion. Well, that's what it's talking about. We're headed towards heaven. As the Bible progresses, often we see Zion in a spiritualized way. God, in a sense, and his kingdom is Zion. Heaven is Zion. Peter talked about that in the first epistle, chapter 2. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 28. And in verse 6, he says, Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, Zion, a chief cornerstone. Precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. My point I'm making here is that God said, Blessings in our home are not by luck. Blessings in our home are not by chance. Blessings in our home are not because we take a good vacation with the kids or go to softball, though. The blessings in a home are related to Zion. Heaven, God's blessing. The question we would ask then is, is there a little bit of Zion in our home? Building blocks for a strong family rest in the fortification of Zion in our home. Family Bible time is one of the most beautiful and wonderful things that you can do for your family. And you don't have to be surprising to me a seminary graduate to lead Bible time in your family. And you don't need a long time. Sometimes as little as 10 minutes than all you might find. It goes longer than you think. You just tell all the kids, all right, let's say you have a, you can go to work at 8, so maybe you can have a Bible time at 7 or 6.45. You just say, all right, everybody at the breakfast table at 6.45. Now we're not going to be eating then. If you want to eat before that, then go ahead. It may not be after that, but uh, we're going to have Bible time. And so they show up, and then you just sit them all down there. I would have a little whiteboard. Actually, for many years, I had a little paper flip chart. In fact, uh, we had uh, stacks of those little flip charts uh, after all the years. As far as I can 
Amen. Amen. Amen.
case, I'm not even going to have one. I can't afford that. The fact is, there are extra expenses associated with children. Of course there is. But the bigger picture is different than that. And wiser to consider. Charles Spurgeon, great 19th century English preacher, said, children don't make a rich man poor. They make a poor man rich. Rich in love, rich in joy, and rich in headaches. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but it happens, of course. It's not an easy row all the time. But the fact of the matter is, having children is no given. For many reasons today, fertility is on a decline worldwide. To the point that it is a crisis, frankly. Society is unsustainable in most nations at the current rate of fertility. There are reasons why people aren't able to have children. Some are unmarried, of course. Others have been abandoned by brave single parents. Still others have never been able to have children. In our hearts and our prayers, and let me just say very clearly, our profound respect goes to those that are in those situations. But my concern this morning and today is for the future of the American church and the future of America itself. For if people don't love children, and they choose a career over children, a beamer over a baby, where are we going from here? Now, of course, there are medical conditions, extreme circumstances where may not be able to have children, or may have to not have as many as you'd like. But I will tell you, a church's greatest wealth is its children. And let me just say, I think it's a good place just to Say, I am very proud of the home church. You have got behind the vision of building a campus, and especially here in Lakes, you get behind this uh, new children and youth center remodel thing. God bless you. Because as our children grow, as our young people go, so goes our church. And so goes our nation. Many churches today, all over our community, are dying. And we have a country now where in-person church is becoming a thing of the past. How sad. Nothing could be any more valuable to America's future than its Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving churches where people come together and build each other strong families. Notice what David told Solomon or Solomon told us, whatever the case. Here he says in this verse, Thou shalt see children and children's children. And notice how it's connected with peace. And peace will come. Peace upon Israel. Children and grandchildren and great children and all that goes are connected to peace. I love that passage in Genesis chapter 26. One of the great patriarchs of the Bible, Isaac. It is in Genesis 26 and verse 25. It says that here Isaac builded an altar. He builded an altar. There in the middle of that old desert place, he said, first things first, let's build an altar. Let's worship God. Let's stop. There's a lot of things we can do. And folks, there's always things we can do. We need to stop long enough to 
We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.